Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink, and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up. Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today I wasn't really out and about. It was straight into the studio, um, running a bit short on time. But I'm so glad that today's guest could make it. And I'm so glad to be hooking up with him again after all these years Today's guest is one of my brand gurus, a guy called Rich Buchanan, which is just an amazing name. He should be an American cop or private eye or something. But he is so fantastic in terms of knowing how to create clear, defendable territories for your brand to operate in, which means that you'll be iconic and it means that you'll really stave off all of the competition that you could ever have. Rich and I worked together way back at Blinkbox Music, or Wee 7 as it was back then, and he just really impressed me as just one of the world-class leaders in brands and brand thinking. Rich has worked with amazing brands all the way through McLaren, Acado, Eurostar, Rolls-Royce, HSBC, Tesco, you know, and, and, and. And today what we're going to talk about is what makes a killer brand some case studies that he's worked on already, and also we're going to touch on his wonderful new book that he's launched called Wild Thinking, and it's 25 thoughts for you to really poke and prod at your business to ask yourself, you know, the hard questions, the oblique questions that you otherwise might stay away from. Really can't wait to hear what Rich has got to say, and I'm going to learn something at least, um, and I hope you do too. So it gives me the most clear, defendable territory pleasure ever to introduce you to founder and MD. Is that what we call That's you? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Got it right. Yes. Rich Buchanan. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm all the better for seeing you, and I'm Bye feeling boys. like I've bitch stole my look. Like I've kind of stolen your look <laughs> over the years. I've just I've went to the easy black T-shirt thing. Mate, it's one just, less decision in the day. Yeah. Just black t shirt. Get it done. Day. Get yeah, it yeah, done. Yeah. And the specs yeah. and the beard. And yeah, yeah, I'll need to sort that out. <laughs> so, you've just been racing across, across London. Yep. Getting here, sweating on the tube. It's yeah. nice. 
Horrible. Yeah, I prefer to bicycle, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm doing yeah. a big ride on Sunday, doing 100 miles. So, Are you? Um, yeah, two days off or three days off before I before I jump on the bike and do Ride London. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, where do you go to? Oh, you start off at the Olympic Park, come right through town, you go through Richmond Park, then out through to Guildford, Surrey Hills, yeah, yeah. come back through Wimbledon, uh, Putney, Embankment, finish on the mile. Nice. In front of the Queen. And then beers and falling over yeah. or what happens yeah 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 sunday of, roast so then just home a couple of beers and yeah um yeah where is home it. these days chiswick oh west london west, yes, london. west is best yeah love it I, that's where i started out um i moved there first there was what many me and loaded yeah and i lived in chiswick yeah and so aunt and dick down the pub and all these things yeah no you don't you um yeah you don't see aunt down the pub so much these days. no that's true that's true <laughs> and the but no i love it we've been there years been there years so, nice um, we're just 250 metres from the river, and it's just a great place to live. Nice. So how long have you been doing this clearing agency thing? Um, it'll, it's nine and a half years. Is so it, it was uh, 1st of March 2010 mm-hmm. um, when, we, when we started trading. Right. feels like yesterday, yeah. and then you go, but hang on, we're planning for 10th birthday. Wow. So it's just flown. And it's absolutely three nuts. or four offices in that? time and all yeah, that yeah started in Exmouth Market then out to Clerkenwell uh, now we're in Borough Market which nice. is just awesome number one yeah. Clink Street so we're on the site of the old medieval yes. prison next to Bills next yes. to Bills we get a discount in there do you yeah yeah oh, that's nice yeah. of them yeah. and um, what was before that then how did you get into all this so stuff? Um, I started well if you go right back I trained as a product designer uh-huh. and I graduated in 92 and massive recession on um, but I'd been really fascinated by advertising all mm-hmm. my life. And my uncle growing up in Manchester, he had an ad agency called the Buchanan Company. And oh. so I was in and out of that place a lot. And I was just like, this is really cool. Look yeah. at all these really good looking people doing, <laughs> sitting behind drawing boards. Back then working with magic markers. Yep. I was just like, I want to do this. Yeah. This looks like loads of fun. Um, and so anyway, I ended up studying product design. Then there wasn't any jobs. And by that time... I worked out that product designers don't actually get paid very much. Oh, do they not? No, no. Ah. Give it Product designers, great thinkers. You know, they, you've got to be good at engineering and you've got to be good at creativity and design, yeah. but they're very rubbish at business and selling their products for a decent price. So is it kind of the mad inventor so, a sort bit, of thing? A bit. And so, um, um, and so I sort of, as I realised that I was going off it a bit and I, I just, I applied to a job in the Guardian media section, uh-huh. which a bunch of thousands of others did. And I got a job in an ad agency up in Leeds. And okay. so that was, that was my first job. But back in the day when account men were also doing the planning. Right. So, um, um, so I did that for, I did that for three years and then I just went, I want to go to London. Mm. I want to work in a proper design consultancy. Mm-hmm. I worked at places like the partners, Newland and Sorrel. We got bought by Interbrand, worked up to get on the board at Interbrand and, um, you know, we worked on, we worked some on, on, you know, amazing stuff like the BA tail fins and rebranding Barclays bank and, um, and then we worked with Orange for years on the Orange brand, and you know, it was really exciting times. Mm. And that was my, you know, that, that I just I grew up there, and um, there was a load of talented people to learn off at the time. Um, and it was really it was, was really like Rita there at the Rita time. Clifton. Yeah, Rita Clifton was my was my boss. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, worked really closely with Rita. Um, and so. 
you know, just re- really fascinating characters and a lot, you know, and there's other people there who were being classically trained marketeers like Alex Batchelor, who came from... Yes, P- I know Alex, yeah. yeah. Came, came from um, P&G. So, you know, you kind of go, there's just, you mixed with some, in- some people who had been through very different from a Saatchi's classic training yeah. in advertising through to a Procter & Gamble, the School of Brand Management. Yeah. And those inputs were just invaluable in terms of working out you know, I'm, so, I'm so excited about that side of things because I missed it right yeah. you know I got a Mickey Mouse degree no disrespect University of Paisley um, and went into work and then Love just kind of learned on the job yeah basically <laughs> yeah. Um, you know you do well with your name but yeah. um, so I done all that but I never actually had the formal I, don't, I mean I got my degree but you know I didn't have the formal FMCG Alex Bachelor yeah. thing yeah. so I did a podcast with Mark Ritson right okay right, the other week there and I'm, I'm it's full of opinions, Mister Ritson. Oh yeah, sure. Not sure. <laughs> There's lots to say. Yeah. Um, but I, well, he always had a BBC moment, which was quite funny. His kids came in on yeah. the background, you know, like that kind of when yeah. the when the kids came in and the, the, the <laughs> wife came in and took them away. Yeah, um, but I think I'm really tempted to do his course. He's got two courses at the moment. Yeah. One's a brand management one, and one's an MBA in marketing. And it's like many things, twelve hundred quid or something. Okay. I, I'm super tempted to. But then I'm fearful. He's really What violent. if I failed? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're sitting going, oh, fucking hell, you know. Anyway, oh, it's something to think about. But yeah, I yeah, wish yeah. I'd had that, you know. Yeah. So it sounds like you got that from different places. Yeah, no, no I, I did. Was, um, I think the Mr. Ritson thing will be interesting because he's really cynical about brands, everything, you know, and people like me. He doesn't like people like me. No. No. He, ah. no. Whenever he writes about brands, he's just like, it's fluffy. They don't know what they're doing. It's rubbish. It's nonsense. Don't spend your money on that. Well, he's, like, he's, doing a, he's doing a really good wee series at the moment on YouTube yeah. called The Effies. Right. And they're like nine-minute videos, and he's like in front of a green screen or whatever. Yeah. And he's done Apple. He's done Dove. They're really good. He's very smart, really and he's got watches. a really interesting point of view on stuff. Yeah, and he's, yeah. you know, uh, um, um, but he's really provocative and sensational because You've that's what be. that's what gets people to to, to listen be. and read. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he's good at that. Yeah, he's good at that. So, how the hell do you get a briefing right that is <laughs> redesign BA's tail fin? Yeah, like, th- that still excites the show me because. All the agencies I've been in and all yeah. the jobs I've had, yeah. I've never had the relaunch a spaceship or you know, yeah. you know, you see these things in market and it's like, yeah. Is it, I tell you, what it was the other day uh, Nescafe Azira. Yeah, you're not doing that, are you? No. Right, eight million quid rebrand, and I swear they've done the thin end of F O. Like I, I, just, I can't even see what the dip. Like maybe it's a new font or something. You're going. Eight mil- What's like, the point? Well, just w- w- the, uh, hats off to the guy or girl who stood up with a quote at the end and said, so that'll be roughly eight to ten million. What yeah, do you think? Yeah, but where does that money go? Because it's how much, you know, a lot of that will go on media. A yeah, lot of I think it was go, a bit on media. You know, yeah. in terms of how do you get that out into, you know, how do you distribute it? How do you yeah, get yeah. it out into the market? Yeah. Um, and, you know, people like me won't be getting... Eight million quid. No, way, 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 way less. Eight grand. But if, oh, but you know, <laughs> maybe a bit more than that. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, but you know, in and when I think back to those times when I was working at Newell Sorrel, when we got bought by Interbrand, you know, it wasn't unheard of for brands like BA and Barclays to be spending, um, you know, three million quid with the consultancy. Jeez. 
over a period of a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those fees are long gone, yes, unfortunately. Not so much. And, you know, um, unfortunately, we didn't have the clearing going then. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> the good old days. Well, I you wouldn't be, be here. I wouldn't be saying yeah, that. No, if you're on a yacht somewhere. <laughs> so it's a good job. Yeah. It's a good job that I wasn't. So, Interbrand and all that, what yeah. happened next then? Yeah. Well, um, I I left there and I went to work for a company called Dave, which was part of the oh, yeah. uh, engine group, not yeah. the TV channel. Yeah, yeah. And, um, uh, with, and Dave was a breakaway from Wolf Olins, and the guy who I worked really closely with, Dan Bobby, um, was Woolwich, you know, didn't you know he didn't really apply himself at school but the, and but he's really smart mm. then went back got a degree got an mba at insead super smart um uh, but he's proper woolwich east london uh you know he calls a spade a spade yeah and he's hugely commercial and so i compliment all of that stuff that i got from the likes of rita and alex bachelor um, you know who you know the, the sort of the higher you know the higher echelons within Interbrand and what they brought with Dan, mm. who um, just was really commercial, really switched on in terms of how do you make a business really sing, mm. and that I was with them for three years, and the culture that they built within that organisation, um, I wouldn't have been able to build the business that I have today without seeing that business and how and how that had grown. But yeah. that was done within Engine, and ultimately, that was too restrictive, and yeah. we don't have those ties, which is great. So, yeah. and they're no more, unfortunately. Engine, no, really, uh, Dave, Dave, oh Dave, Dave's, Dave's gone, yeah. yeah. So I was yeah. going. To, I always wondered. There's a really expensive sign in the window engine. And I thought, see if you've got something. You just get too much money going on. You know, huge lobby and not anymore. Disco it's tunnels. A bit tired. Yeah, 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 all that stuff. Right. So, what was the thought with the clearing then? So, um, so the th- my three three partners. So there's there's four of us. Um, uh, two designers who are creative directors, and uh, Pete's writer. Mm. Um, and myself, who's the consultant, the strategist in all of this. And the other three, Andy, Pete and Jono, were still at Interbrand. Uh, I'd left and I was working at Dave. Um, and the, basically, it just we just felt that there was a better way. The way that the process kind of worked in terms of branding mm-hmm. was a consultant would go in and they'd go and talk to the client mm-hmm. and they'd be fronted by an account manager um, who would take field all the calls and have that relationship with the client. And then the consultant would do his work and he'd write his piece of positioning and he'd go, here's the brand strategy and lob this grenade over the wall into the design studio for designers and writers to pick it up. Right. And... Um, and, you know, that's just really disjointed. And I know from working with the other three that mm. when we work together, that's when the magic happens. Yeah. So when we're writing a piece of strategy, yeah. you know, they come and they do, you know, they they come, they observe the research groups with me. They come and do the qual research with me when we're interviewing customers or we're interviewing clients. Um, and we're thinking about the end solution right at the beginning. And that that's really important because mm. what you you know if I write a piece of positioning and for us it's all down to a brand promise so mm. it's like what's what is that distillation so if Ricardo uh, fetch their pet store you know their their promise is perfect pet parents you know mm. it's just a nice bit of alliteration mm. tells you all what you need to know in terms yeah. of what we're what we're trying to do for yeah. this for for these customers uh, and. Um, and I will have had a couple of other ideas before I get to Perfect Pet Parent that I'm throwing out to those guys. 
and there then and i can tell instantly because they go that's really interesting it yeah. triggers ideas in them straight away yeah. and you start going okay and you start building from that yeah. and just having those conversations and so the clearing was really about saying one we've been working in big consultancies now for yeah ever how many yeah. years um we'd had a conversation with mclaren who basically said if you went and did your own thing we'd be interested and we'd come with you and we thought well that doesn't happen very often no. and we had a conversation uh, and you know this was nothing official with them until it was with john ellett who's the chief marketing officer at yeah. mclaren and i said well you know what is that is that 50 grand a year or is that yeah. 500 grand a year and he said you know it's it's neither and it's clearly you know it's it's nearer the former than the, than the, than the latter mm. um but you know we definitely support you and get and i'd give you some work and so that was a opportunity that we just went we can't we can't let that up Not we can't let that go and at the time i just had my second daughter glory was born and i just moved into a house in chiswick i had this whacking mortgage i was like going Oh, yeah. I'm going to probably idea. have to sell the house if I want to do this. Um, fortunately, I didn't have to sell the house because it all gathered momentum really, really quickly. Mm. But the clearing was then about um, saying it was, we got to this idea of clear defendable territory. Mm. So when you think of brand positionings, you just go, brand positioning, all it is is a space in people's minds. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to own. And we're trying to create a consistent thought mm that makes them want to keep coming back to brands and go, what is it that you hang on to? What is it that you fall in love with that brand for? Um, and so clear defendable territory is about saying, where's the white space in a market that's really worth something. It's mm. valuable that you can own that nobody else can own. Yeah. And, um, uh, and so we sort of had this story and we just said, let's just be really pure about mm -hmm. it. This is, you know, this is what we do. Let's yeah. make sure we do a good job for ourselves because that's going to be an advert for of anyone else that they come. And um, and and really, the the clearing the clearing was born from that, and and just saying that the the process is a is the way that we work is just really closely with our clients and mm. really closely with each other. So mm. it shouldn't feel like you've come into the business and you're on this tried and trusted process that will deliver that where you're filling in boxes on yeah. a brand model and whether that's you know a house a temple a key you know a keyhole an onion <laughs> all of those things yeah. that i just go ah, no yeah. Yeah. because they're too restrictive and brands yeah. brands aren't not confined into boxes they're actually about stories and yeah. ideas yeah. and um uh, and so so yeah it was about it was about getting getting that creating something where it wasn't just about the clear space that our customers could our clients could own their mm. brands could own it was about creating a space that was really conducive to working mm. together and for the people that work in the business as well as the clients and yeah. we encourage when we did ideas of grandeur before we realized how much rents were and we were setting the business up mm. we drew up a visual of what it's going to be like and we basically had what you'd only describe as a cheers bar at the center of the organization where <laughs> we just basically wanted clients to come and sit and it wasn't optics behind it, it yeah. you know the little stools and wi-fi connections yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and that's what we wanted because in a lot of companies, clients go, you're not allowed to pass this door because there's really sensitive information behind here. And actually, we just go, well, you know, 
there will be times when there's confidentiality issues that mm. we need to take care of. But actually, we just want the clients at the centre of the business, yeah. and um, and that that's what that's what we try try to do. Makes sense. So when someone's sort of briefing you, and you know, let's say, you know, looking at the food and drink market yeah. at the moment, right? Most well, a lot of people are in the shit. So they come along to you and they say, right, we need to be rebooted. We need to be relevant again. Uh, we've lost our way. You know, all the rest of it. What, where do you even start with a client? What do you what, what do you do? What's your process? Yeah, so that's not a process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there is a process in yeah. terms of the way that um, the way that it works, um, because the first thing is really about understanding anybody's business. So they come in and they say, you know, the market's changed. You know, people aren't. You know, sales are sales are dipping. We've got an issue with our culture. You know, our people are. You know, they're they're not engaged in what we're saying. Mm. Um, you know, we need to reinvent ourselves. There's always something. It's either about launching something new or reinventing mm. something that is existing. And the important thing for us is always about the data. And it starts with data. And it's about, so, you know, we will, the first thing we do is read whatever research that they've got and identify where the holes are. But you're typically, you're looking at who's the customer today? Mm. And actually, where's the future value opportunity? How do those customers segment? Which ones, mm. which segments are worth the most to us? Yeah. And actually, where do other when you map other brands are competitive brands onto them? Who is neatly aligned with those segments, and mm. where do we think we can win against those segments? So, you know, the, in terms of the process, you go and talk to engagement is really, really important within mm. anything like this because brand brand is only ever it's a conduit for um, for strategy. So your commercial strategy should be absolutely driving the agenda. The brand is there to really connect you to your audience. Mm -hmm. And what we help our clients to do is to understand who that audience is and how do you create that yeah. connection. And how do you find the audiences, though, in the segmentation? How do you go about that? Well, I mean, that... Um, so you you can do that and spend a lot of money on that in mm. terms of doing a you know a quant based study whether that is in the UK or it's global you will burn hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds to be able to to do that um and um and we do work with research um agencies to do that we don't have the capability to crunch that kind of yeah. kind of data uh and but equally, you know, we will make assumptions about about markets, uh, mm. and we'll, you know, when clients have got some, some clients just don't have those kind of budgets. So you're making assumptions about how does this segment, and how, and you know, you go out and you talk to the customers, mm -hmm. and you can begin to get a sense of actually, you know, what are their motivations, what are their behaviours, what are their usages, mm -hmm. and begin to map those, and and just draw up some pretty rudimentary um, different segments that you you can go actually this is kind of how the market begins to look and. Feel yeah. to us you know and we make some assumptions about that and then you know in today's world with digital you can go yeah, and test yeah, yeah. this stuff real time and, yeah. and whether your hypothesis are, are right or wrong yeah you know you can find that out pretty quickly yeah yeah and then what about um sort of clients that you've had on then you know some examples or case studies or you know what's the ones that you know people might know about or the ones that have went amazingly well yeah um oh i mean there's this we've we've carved out this amazing niche within sport, and I uh -huh. I mean I love sport. Yeah. So um, we 
um, and I guess it came because of the McLaren connection because that was our first that was our first job uh, and as a ba- as a off the back of that Ascot got to hear of us right. so commercial director Juliet at Ascot gave me a call and said I've seen stuff that you've been doing I think it's really interesting come and have a chat before we knew it we were rebranding Ascot and Royal Ascot right. and um then what happened off that after that we were asked to pitch for Wimbledon and so we've been working with Wimbledon for the past two years on um, um, helping them to join up their broadcast digital and physical experiences so if you look at the brand you won't really see a lot of change in terms of what the logos look like but actually everything else and how that joins up now across those different channels yeah. has been you know is, is sorted and it's, it's a Great, great piece of work. Um, off the back of that, we won MCC and Lords, and so we're branding great. MCC and Lords at the moment. Do uh, you like cricket? So you like? I like every sport. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely every sport. We've just done the Australian Turf Clubs. We spent a load of time out in Sydney doing the four race courses around Sydney. We're working oh, yeah. with the Racehorse Owners Association on creating a new brand for them, and we won Southampton Football Club as well. So we've been working with the Saints, um, which and. Football is my love. So, what uh, is your team though? Man United. I am Man United. Well, yeah. Man United. Uh, but that's yeah, that's where I grew up. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah. So we do a lot within sport, yeah. but then we do lots within B two B and lots straight to consumer. Mm. Um, you know, our biggest client for the past four years has been Houston Logistics, which is a, is Japan's largest logistics firm. So, oh, okay. spend a lot of time out in Tokyo, and we're helping them to create a global brand. So you take, you know. How do you take this very Japanese brand and internationalize it and export it internationally? Yeah. So that's been some. That's an ongoing journey. Um, it's been fascinating, very different. But then when you you know we do a lot within retail. So Ocado is a client. Lidl is a client. Tesco were a client. Uh, no longer B and Q. We've yeah. done lots of work B and Q in the past. Um, and but if you if you say you know, talk to me about a couple of case studies or tell me a story yeah. about one. I, the one the one that I love just personally, probably because it was built around my cat, Alan, right. um, <laughs> is, is Fetch, which is Ocado's, uh-huh. um, Ocado's pet store. So we get this brief from Ocado, and we've been going about a year. So this is 2011 at this stage. And it says... Ocado's got 350,000 customers, most of whom yeah. live inside the M25. And um, what we need to do is to diversify our base. We need to get into new areas. But actually, we're coming under pressure from Amazon. They're likely to or they're likely to launch a uh, direct-to-customer grocery proposition in the UK yeah. anytime now. Um, what do we do? And we can't, you know, so we... We're looking at going into different verticals. Mm-hmm. And so conversations were, do we go in? Pets was one of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, do we have a pharmacy business? Do we have a toy store? Yeah. So we were looking across different categories yeah. with them. And we netted out that pets was the one to go for. And, you know, they, Ocado, uh, you know, a massive business now. Yeah. Then they weren't. Money was very tight. You know, certainly this wasn't, we weren't using research to to do this. We were looking for publicly available data that gave us clues that there was money to be made in here. Mm. And when you looked at, you know, some of the drivers of that off the top of my head, 
Well, the one that was 8 million cats and 8... This is 2011 data, so it's old. 8 million cats, 8 million dogs within the UK. More significantly, pets at home. And remember, at this stage, we're in what everyone thinks is double-dip recession, but we weren't. Uh, And um, pets at home was recording year-on-year growth of, I think it was 12 or 13%. And it was owned by KKR, which is like, you know, a shit-hot, a US private equity business okay. who are ruth known for being really right. commercial and really ruthless. Yeah, yeah. And you just went, hang on a minute. Mm. They have, you know, they've they're behind this. And you look at this thing, pets pets at home, and you go as a brand. That's pretty functional and it's mm-hmm. not doing anything, which is really different. And yet at a time when the high street is dying on its knees. Yeah they're seeing double digit growth in a recession and you just went you've got there's a recession proof business and when you then started going out and we did talk we talked to customers and we looked at other um we we found loads of data online from um because there's loads of pets associations and things and they're recording lots of stuff and all that yeah yeah yeah. pdsa so you know it was their data that basically said that um people spend 500 quid to a grand on their on on their cat, cat or dog every year in terms of food and accessories yeah and if you live in if you if you if you live inside the m25 you could actually be spending near a one and a half grand and so we started doing some numbers and looking at it going this is a really great opportunity yeah. and when you looked at the markets and you said it, the market is run by mum and pop stores up and down the country. They're little, it's pet stores and it's vets who supply. Yeah. And people like Hills, so they produce dog food, cat food, mm-hmm. but it's got special ingredients in it. So if you want your dog to have a shiny coat or he's got, you know, weak bones or whatever, there's yeah. different, they're medicated and yeah. they're, they only distribute through vets. Oh. So we're thinking, you know, and this stuff sells, and it sells like you wouldn't believe in terms of the numbers. But you think about the customer and where the customer's going. I'm just the customer has to get in the car and they go to their vet to pick this stuff up yeah. every couple of weeks. They're buying 48 cans, two slabs. You know, imagine it's a can, of, it's a slab of beer. You know how heavy yeah, that yeah. is. And this is, you know, mums as well as dads yeah. going down to do it. Rainy day. Vets Some older that, people maybe. Yeah. Vets don't, you know, they're not known for having lots of parking or easy access. No. And so we just start going, we've got, what's the benefits of, uh, of Ocado? And Ocado still was the only person who did one hour delivery slots. Mm. You know, we wanted degree of cert. We were looking for sectors where you wanted something where there was a degree of service that Amazon couldn't compete with us on. Yeah. And that's within retail. That was really, you know, really, really key for us. Yeah. And so, uh, so when the brief landed, Pete, who's my business partner uh, and a writer, he just went, "You've got to call it fetch." It was the first thing he said when he saw the. He's going, you know, he just went, "Yeah, of course you've got to yeah. call it fetch. <laughs> of course you've got to call it fetch." And then we tried to get the uh, we tried to get the URL gone. Tried to get the um, uh, the trademark, uh, and that was gone. Uh, tracked that down to a little pet store down in Bournemouth, and uh, convinced them that twenty grand was a fair price for that. And we bought it. Uh, well, the client bought it. We didn't. Mm. Uh, and um, and 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 we were we were off and running. But the the all of these projects they have to have an insight. So yeah. you're going, what is the insight? What's the thing that connects you to the customers? 
and the and there was from from all of the analysis that we're doing up front i've just described we're looking at well what's the trend so mm. foresight is you know research will kind of tell you that it'll tell you it'll give you a, a measure of where you are to do, today mm-hmm. but customers can't tell you or consumers can't tell you what they don't know so they yeah. don't know what's coming down the line they don't know what that technology is so what yeah. we try to do is take different trends different things that we know are happening and just triangulate yeah. some of that information to go what if this happens mm. and one of the things that we got onto was just a rise of um single uh, single people households and um uh, was 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 on the up mm-hmm. and just a sense that um that um the animals were filling this hole mm-hmm. within people's lives. Yep. So, I mean, you know, we can all... Th- I have friends who have dogs yeah. that you would think are their child. Yeah. They treat them like yeah. their baby, right? And so I'm seeing this going on around me, watching this, and <laughs> I've just... I, I, My girls were young at the time. I think Betsy was around four, Gloria was around three or something, and, um, and we just got a cat. And the family felt this thing gets showered with so much love it felt like it was part of part of the family mm-hmm. the fact that we even called him alan yeah is um humanizes yeah but that was actually because one of my friends is uh is the cousin of my wife and she just got divorced from her husband alan and i thought oh. it'd be quite funny if we just <laughs> called the cat alan i was gonna be like an alan bennett so anyway we got to this thing of humanization um of uh of of uh, you know the, the animals are filling this hole yeah and we just got to you know well actually and so i don't know how old you are but i'm a, I 42 got, so i'm 49 do you remember animal magic yeah yeah so johnny animal, morris johnny morris yeah. right so the animals spoke and so you know we go um so i come up with this idea of going actually so when you look at all of the brands it's pets at home the mm. name really functional yeah. but what we've just described is this incredible emotional connection that we all have with these animals so um so how do we how come people are just going it's pets at home or it's pet supermarket really functional boring names that actually don't have any personality and don't reflect the emotion and the love that it has that people have with their animals yeah we went we just need to build a brand that does that yeah so we got to this idea of perfect pet parent. Lovely bit of a... Really works, yeah. Really, you know, and, and when I said those words to, you know, my, to Jono and Andy, who are the designers out of the four of us, mm. they just, you could just see them light up and start going, I know exactly what to do with that. And yeah. the answer to that was, what if you give the animals the voice? Yeah. And what if you make them really demanding and you get them speaking and talking about as if, you know, they they're divas so you know i think one of the first visuals we did was just of a parrot and it was going because i'm worth it the l'oreal thing and you know and it just it came to life and um and this and it was just so playful and you start writing um positioning um and values that they're like you know we're loyal and we're pleased to see you and we're playful because they are they're grounded in the category yeah. they're really memorable and they give you an instant personality and when we develop when we develop a brand we basically go you need an insight so the insight was part of the family mm. 
You need a positioning statement that says who we are, what we do, how we do it, why that's relevant and motivating. Mm. And then you need to crunch that, that. That needs to be written as a really compelling, pithy. I mean, I'm talking three short paragraphs yeah. of going, that's the, the narrative for the brand, that positioning statement. And then we just we crunch that down into a phrase, which is the brand promise, and that's perfect pet parents. So yeah. our promise to 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 from a, from fetch to our customers is that's what we help you to be. Mm-hmm. And then we set values, which um, are basically inform the tone and the mm-hmm. personality of the brand. And you've got to have one, which is really rational and gives you a hard edge to the brand, mm-hmm. which in this in their case was loyal. One which is emotional and uh, you know, adds some warmth to it, uh, which was, so I think that one pleased was, to see uh, was pleased it? to yeah, see yeah, nice. and, uh, and then one which was uh, aspirational. And I've now forgotten the third one that I just said previously. Uh, but the aspirational yeah. one, needs, you need the brand to have some stretch. You need to go, yeah. where is it? Where is it going in the future? And then, and then you, you, know, you, judge, you, you need to be able to judge creative work by those different words. Yeah. And those words should also inform behaviour. So in terms of how colleagues and how we then mm-hmm. get colleagues to do it uh, and to implement it. But that engagement of colleagues, if there's one thing that I would say about brands is the best brands are built from the inside out oh, and yeah. the bottom up. And there's a, tr- there's, you know, and if you're going into organisations, every organisation has a DNA which is uniquely theirs. Yeah. We have the most amazing job because people just open up their business they lift the lid on it they go here look at it warts and all yeah we you know we are really struggling to see the way through this Mm. and you know we are um you know we're not business consultants although we are really commercial in the way that we we look at this a lot of our clients see us as creative business consultants Mm -hmm. and what we're able to do is to really see the wood from the trees and be really objective and to see the things that they can't and they just you know they're too close to it and the it other still th- surprises me that though i know i know you but know? but you know but i know when we're trying to do stuff around our business that you, because you're in yeah, it every yeah, day yeah. it yeah. is really hard yeah um but then the thing that we can do that they can't and hopefully robots will never be able to do either is to make these creative leaps yeah. and to do you know to come up with these ideas that cut through and they just connect with people so we talk a lot about conviction and connection Mm. so you've got to have a conviction on the inside with your people and that's where you start and the connection is through marketing and that is then aligning every single interaction with the customer whether it's a service whether somebody you know whether it's coming through on the website or picking up a phone or writing an email through to the advertising that it all that it all builds this idea of perfect pet parent yeah but last thing to wrap that that up, it's then how you build the interface and some stuff which is valuable for people. Yeah. yeah. So um, on uh, on a cardo fetch, there was, you know, I it's not me who's who's registered. It's Alan Buchanan, mm. my cat, who's registered. So you put in it. So he gets a birthday message. He gets told when he needs his worming, which yeah. I can't, you know. So Alan, it's time for worming. Yeah. Alan, it's time you had a flea drop. These stuff, the things that I go. When did I last do that to him? And, and now, and now we've got now we've now it's in there, and you know you you get that stuff. But they also, you know, so as a result of creating this brand, Hills agreed 
that we could distribute their products and mm. they have never let any multiple or grocer do that ever before in history yeah. so and we knew that that was going to drive a load of sales because of the problems that that, that was a problem that we were solving yeah, for customers yeah. uh and um and yeah it's in its first year it put 25 million on uh growth on Ocado. Mm. its second year it did 150 and it's only ever had a soft launch. It's, they've never really launched it. And I was speaking to, he's, he's no longer CEO. He's now heading up their technology business. That business has moved on. Um, but James, who was CEO of the non-food uh, bit of Ocado, mm. was just saying, you've got to get the latest numbers because, you know, years three and four, um, five and six are uh, you know, just incredible. Oh, yeah. um, so, you know, when it... That, it's a really nice contain yeah. contained stories. And if people want to go check it out, check it out on clearing.co.uk. It's a case study on there, and you can see some of the work. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. A couple of things, maybe more personal things, I guess, is, you know, I'm sort of semi in your situation sometimes. Like, it's a lot of pressure, isn't it, to come up with it every time. Do you feel that? No. You don't? No. Interesting. No. No, I get really excited about it because I just see it as... um, I see it as a puzzle. It's ah. like I, it's it's just it's a problem. It's yeah, it's yeah. a problem, and you're the the hard thing. The hard thing is those promises and getting something yes. that really That's makes sense. Yeah. And so so yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. At that bet you're just like oh, and, man. and and you know I have to say that so many brands get this wrong, and so many consultancies say that they are a brand consultancy, and they are not. And they are not. New. And um. And I think there's a handful in London. I'd say five people who we can re- who would really do a good job. Maybe five people, five companies who, yeah. who would really do a good job of this, uh, of which I'd count us as one, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but those promises, the thing that they have to do, and this is what makes them really hard, is they've got to direct people internally. They've got to differentiate you from your customer, but then they've got to give you a motivating reason to buy. And if they can't, if you can't tick. All of those three things. So when people, because you know we've got other consultants now who yeah. are writing this stuff, um, and that's the bit that I love because that makes me always that's the hero status. Mm. And when you go, when I've cracked it, that's yes. it. It's people like go, go, go. That's what you hear people yeah, saying. Yeah. I've cracked it. Yeah, I've yeah. cracked it. Um, and it's the two three the, in the morning. It's well, it's 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 <laughs> yes. usually on my bike or it's yeah. in the shower, shower, and it's not it's not when I'm sitting down no. a blank piece of paper no. thinking about it. But until you've until you've written the positioning and everything else, 
that's it, that thing is a distillation. Mm. So it's the last thing that you could do. So you've got all you've built all the the strategy or the the position. The strategy is be how you execute it, but the positioning is all built. Yeah, and it's that thing. And sometimes, sometimes it can be a nightmare, and and projects can go wrong because mm. you can't crack it. And 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 sometimes it's just a limitation of language, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I th- I hear what you're saying. I relish I relish it. Yeah, yeah. It is hard, and sometimes you just you know people talk about writer's block, and you know creatives, you know, um, you can hit that thing where it's just. It, the juices just aren't flowing. Yeah. You just can't get to it. Yeah, and you just and the more you think about it, the more the worse the stuff is that you put down on the page. Yeah, um, well, the way that I've been sort of tended to do it lately is working with a key stakeholder team. Yeah, locking them away and try to crack it in like a day and a half. Yeah, I mean, and, I think and, and I, that's a rabbit out of hat sometimes. At yeah. the end, you're like, oh, you know. Then obviously you've got permission and time yeah. to shape it, and you know wherever you yeah. go to. No, I, I love. But I stuff love game like day. That. Yeah, I, I love stuff like that where you lock people in a room and you go right. What you can't do with those sessions is to end up with this beautifully crafted thing. But what you, you can do later, yeah. is you can go. These are these are the different inputs, and this is what it's got to yeah. you know. So you can at least so when you talk about a narrative for the brand, who are we? What do we do? How do we do it? Why yeah. is that motivating? As a group, getting people to input into that and agree a structure and to you know and get them to do it, and yeah. then take it away and build it and go right. You know, if we're going to assess that against yeah. our competitors, what are the things that really stand out as different? Yeah. It is a really good way of, of doing it. Well, I think it's quite powerful because they feel like they did it. It's, and they feel like they cracked it, you know, and that's absolutely, a absolutely. powerful thing because, as well, you know. And that's why, that's when it comes to the engagement. And that's why yeah. I say engagement starts right at the beginning yeah, because yeah. if, as excited as I will get as going, yes, I yeah. cracked it, um, then, and I know I cracked it, we cracked it. Yeah. And it's really important that we all cracked it. And when I say we, I mean the client yeah. and my team yeah. at the clearing and um because from day one what we're trying to do is transfer ownership of this brand into that business yeah and it's not something that we've it's you know because we kind of like feel like we've given birth to these children and then we go oh off you go yeah, off you yeah, go you toddle, yeah, toddle yeah. off into the, In distance the middle of the forest and we go and we're sitting there go see ya looking at the client going please don't fuck it up yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> don't put them in the waterway yeah yeah and um and so making sure that people come on that journey and they feel that that there is a bit of them yeah. inside of that is really important. It's really, really, really important. So you work with a lot of big brands in the main. Yeah. And they've got budget, they've got structure, they've got the impetus to change their business, right? In the food and drink world, what's quite interesting is there's a lot of people asking for the brand thinking and then they don't really execute at all so what sort of thoughts have you got on that or how do you persuade a client to in what way how do you mean almost like you know they'll take the document and it will say you know perfect parent and you know and they'll be like yeah great and you know and then it kind of goes in someone's drawer you're dragging the horse to water yeah. so you're going right here's what this means for your culture here's what this means for your products and yeah, sell yeah. here's what it means for your reputation yeah. here's the gap map here's what you need to go on and do yeah. and then it just kind of drifts yeah. you know and yeah. 
you keep checking in yeah. and you can see that it's just losing energy and momentum. What can you do about that? Is there anything you can do? There's loads you can do. Uh-huh. And it's all in, it's all about momentum and it's all about understanding how do you. Um, how do you embed that within the culture and through the product and the service experience? And so we talk a lot about brand signatures. So, mm. you know, because people people within this space will go, you know, oh, someone's got a new logo and they think that that's a that's a rebrand job, mm. um, and they've changed the colours and they've put a new sign above the door and they think that that's going to change everything. Mm. Well, hello, that isn't going to change yeah. anything. It's just you know different color but the same old crap and so um so so what we do is we say there's there's these signatures which are basically reasons to believe Mm -hmm. and you need to so we create them inside and outside of of the organization so if you think so one of the brands that we did um again a couple of years ago was um fitness first Oh, huh? yeah. and um so when they were blue and white and they went bust and they got bought by a private equity business and brought them back and they we worked with them um andy coslett who's now chairman of the ceo who's a crazy guy brilliant um and uh and to, to reinvent this but you know we'd we'd redesigned what it i mean we changed from the only thing we kept was the name and we right. kept we changed from blue to red and it's really big in Asia and uh, it just gave it a sense, you know, it's blood is energy and in Asia it's hugely positive. Yeah, red. Color. So signatures, we go, um, we, we go, how does this show up? So for people internally, when you do that, in, when you do that sort of fact finding immersion right at the beginning, you're going to spend time uh, um, with people in gyms. In the old fitness first, they were wearing, like nylon polo shirts, and they were told to wear um, sm- smart trousers with it. So they'd like have blue sh- yeah. blue smart trousers with a with a nylon sort of polo shirt on the top. And these guys, you know, and that's how people were expected to come into work, regardless of okay, if you're a personal trainer, you're allowed to wear wear shorts. I described it as a mullet of a uniform, which was business <laughs> at the bottom, party upstairs, and uh, and. Uh, but you know, listening to that, one of the things was actually we're going to change that. We're going to give these, you know, these guys. Not all of them are like you know, got washboard stomachs, six packs, and all the rest of yeah. it. Some of them have, but they want to look good. You know, they're in an industry which is about looking good. Let's make them look really good. And so you know, we start. So one of the signatures was a uniform, mm. and it, and we made sure that they got more of it. So they had one nylon smelly old crusty t- shirt yeah and they could be doing a late shift finishing at 10 and then being in doing workouts at eight o'clock the next morning you've got to go home and wash it before you even do anything <laughs> yeah. and so just sort of a lack of understanding about the stuff that is you know about how you're asking your people to behave Ooh. and the impact that that has on the culture of the organization yeah. because you don't understand the yeah. detail yeah. of the decisions that you make as a business yeah. so so that's that's really, so with them we went uh, one of it was uh, a uniform another one was everybody had to go we introduced a training course mm-hmm. so there's gold silver and bronze uh, if you were p- personal training you had to get up to a gold standard for them mm-hmm. but even if you worked in accounts you had to be able to d- get the bronze and you had to at least once a year do a bunch of inductions with new joiners and um, wow. so that everybody you know because you, you've got to be able to talk about this stuff yeah, you know, yeah. it's our business so how do we get people to really know yeah. about it um you know, we looked at, um, there was then about technology and how do you use technology. So 
we were the biggest problem with the gym is people get bored after three months yeah. so um there was technology in there like um that we introduced some of it um, gimmicky that got people talking others really helpful yeah. so big interactive screens in the gym that basically we introduced i mean we reconfigured the whole gym we got rid of like loads of old pin load of equipment and put in new functional training we changed the way which was happening in the market anyway yeah. but we just made sure that fitness first were absolutely at the forefront of that um and uh, so interactive screens that basically show you how to do different things. So you could go, right, I want to do an exercise on my quads mm. and then it'll give you, you know, different options. That's we did an app that, you know, had, it was basically a personal trainer in your pocket that just kept, Brilliant. you could remix it and change it up all yeah. the time. And then there was other things like the induction process before you used to come in and go, there you go. This is, um, we're going to give you an induction. We're going to give. We're going to work out a uh, a, a workout for you. Mm -hmm. It's going to take forty five minutes. We're going to put it in this clipboard, and the clipboard will be at the back of the back of here. And you just come yeah. in and fill in the date. Nobody ever does yeah. that. And then, then they go, "Oh, what was I meant to be doing?" And the thing is, you're going. We're expecting you to do that workout yeah. for the next however long you're going to be here. And wonder Until why. You wonder why people, leave, you know, stop yeah. going after three months when they're not seeing the benefits because you don't go three times three times a week. You're not going to see the yeah. benefit. Uh, and and so we just started going. Well, you know, let's introduce a three month induction. Let's do two pretty quickly. Mm. Um, let's in make sure they're give using these tools and then we're mixing it up. And by the third month, and then let's do a an annual check with that and make yeah. sure that people are doing it. And you just start going, well, you know, these are real live examples of the brand in action. And mm. that's, and if you don't have those signatures of how this is changing yeah. and you don't introduce anything new, it's never going to fly. Yeah. It's never going to, if you, you know, the work that we do is about, um, it's about turnaround or it's about introducing something new. Yeah. And so, you know, those touch points are absolutely critical. And if you, if you don't have them, you're not going to achieve what you want to do. The thing is, it costs money. It does cost money. And yeah, and it's hard work and all that. Yeah. But I think that's a great piece of advice, though, because, you know, we're definitely guilty of it in this sector where yeah. we'll do the thinking bit, but then it's, oh, you've got to refit 300 restaurants and you've got to change what you're doing and you oh well we'll do it in five restaurants and see what happens and then it doesn't really happen after the five and 350 yeah. million fitness first spent worldwide on refitting wow. their clubs yeah i mean we had to do proof of concept to make sure that it was the right thing to do yeah and we did that in cl in clubs in london uh and monitored that over um somewhere between three or six months can't remember exactly how long but yeah. you know before you then put that kind of money yeah. behind it but still, you've got to be sure. Yeah, you've got to be got sure. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a lot of dough. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about a couple of other things. Then um, the book. Yeah. So wild thinking. Yeah. Which we have here, but it was not yeah, good for brought, radio. Yeah. Um, bought your copy. Yes, I'm going to yeah. get a signed copy of that. I'll put put that. Up. Yeah. Um, what happened? What made you do it? What was going on? So wild thinking. Where did it come from? So the business, as I was saying at the beginning, getting on for 10 years old. And when you're just in the business day to day, you never, you can't, the biggest problem is, you know, people go, well, we love you. But there's hundreds, there's thousands of people saying that they're a brand consultancy yeah. in, in London. And that's what we do. So how do we stand out? Mm. And how do we get noticed? And that's, yeah, how do we market ourselves? And for years, we'd been thinking about um, 
I've been thinking about how can we do a some sort of brand health check that mm-hmm. we can put through put clients through that would um help them help us to identify issues and help them to go i've just had this kind of mot yeah. and i think you know and i'm discovering that there's an issue and then we started looking at this and it got really complicated right. and it's because you start having to use metrics and yeah. analytics within that and you it gets quite complicated it's really difficult to talk about it so we went like let's not do that and somebody in the studio um had bought a school of life book or school of life you know school of yes life, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, or a set of their cards you know, like, out, yeah. Is, yeah absolutely if you don't know go check them out alan boton and his crew so yes. um and what those so whether they've got different um they're sort of like life management cards or whether it's love or it's career these the different cards to ask you thought-provoking um philosophical questions mm-hmm. uh, that will make you search within about yourself and we just went what if we did that for brands so, yeah. we, so we got in touch with the school of life and we said we really like these and we'd like to do one for brands would you be interested and they were like yeah 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 we're not paying for it you can pay for it but we yeah okay. we'll definitely partner with you to do it and we were like cool because also that just went well that gives us another level of credibility right, and so. it'll introduce us to a whole bunch of people yeah. who are associated or fond of the school of life so we we created wild cards first of all before the book so wild cards is a hundred questions um that uh about your brand and they break down into different categories about emotion belief creativity uh, and they uh, it's, there's five categories and they basically just ask you stuff like what's your brand's nemesis what breaks your brand up at at 5 a.m in the morning what's more important you know um a cultural strategy and um and if you can ask uh, um, but they're couched in your brand and what's important Mm. for your brand and if you can answer all of the hundred questions then you know you're home and dry you don't need us because you know that's that's fine the reality is nobody can answer. That's the cunning marketing trick. <laughs> nobody can answer the hundred questions. Us. So, <laughs> um, but what's clients? So we produced these cards, and then we went. Let's run an event, uh, and so we run uh, wild uh, wild card events, uh, which is called they're called the Secret Life of Brands. Okay. And um, the first one that we ran, we had John Allett, uh, who's chief marketing officer of McLaren. Uh, we had uh, Christian Brook, who's um, brand director of Ocado. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third one was David Benson, who is uh, future advertising and media strategy director at Google. And then we invited 40, 50 people in to mm-hmm. the School of Life, all mostly senior marketeers and a couple of commercial directors. Yeah, Those are usually our clients. That's who, you know, we we'll work with and uh, uh and so the format is it's an hour i ask questions for about 30 minutes 20 30 minutes and then we open it up to the floor everyone gets a box of the cards they can ask their questions out oh. you know they can choose their own questions out of the card and uh, so um and we we do them about you know should be 
we did about we did about three a year. We, we haven't done one for a, a few months now. Really clever, um, but it just gets people talking about yeah. it and sharing about some of the what's important for the, for their brand. So anyway, these took off, and um, um, and the reason why we haven't been doing them recently is because we've been doing, focusing on actually writing the book. Yeah. But a client came and went, you know what? Really like this, and we found that clients start using these cards in workshops to get oh. to some of the you know nutty issues that they just can't. So they're asked, they use them to ask questions in different ways that will mm. get you thinking about an issue slightly differently. So a client came along and went, you know what? I think this could make a book, and we went, oh, interesting, interesting. Mm. So we asked, um, we asked a, uh, I think about approached four different publishers and we invited mm. them to an event and we got offered two book deals off uh, off off the back really? of them. and so yeah that's been for the last year it launched what march of this year um and it's called wild thinking so we've taken 25 of the questions mm. within the cards and we've um opened them up so we've developed a point of view so mclaren for example took um uh, what is your brand's nemesis? Mm-hmm. David Benson at Google had uh, what wakes your brand up at four a.m. in the morning. Yeah, um, you know you've just yeah, and so we do. We did a lot of the thinking and about what's important about you know having a brand nemesis. Why why yeah. should you have that? And write us, yeah. a write a, a thought piece that then became sort of the pricey for that chapter. Mm. Um, and we then created a discussion guide for it to the clients. We said to the clients, listen, you don't need to really do any thinking about this because we're going to be asking about stuff about your brand and your business. Yeah. We need two hours of your time to come and interview you, and we're going to take the verbatims out of that and weave it into our sort of pricey, our opening mm-hmm. thought piece on the, on, the, on the chapter. So coming out of that, there is a clear defendable territory. So there's 25 clear defendable territories, 25 chapters, 25 rules from leading brands and businesses that um, basically say about their things that you can do to help your brand yeah. be distinctive and connect with people, you know, to create your clear defendable territory. Um, and we're really pleased with it. And it's doing really well. It's Great. doing really well. So, That's cool. Uh, and then yeah. maybe future media opportunities? Well, yeah, I mean... The, Broadcasting it, and... Well, I want to do a podcast. I want to follow, I want to follow you. <laughs> I, want to do, I want to do this because actually this is what I love and yeah. it's, it's, it's sitting and talking to people and sharing it. And when, yeah. we, did, when we did the book... People just opened up yes. and they just tell us stuff. And I figure, you know, and I figure if we can get, if we get that, I think that'll work as a podcast and yeah. taking, taking it and just asking a few, fa- taking a few of the, 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 taking the wild cards out as we did, you know, I mean, we just looked at one question, but actually if I went back to some of those people and said, right, I'm going to ask you five questions over half an hour. Um, I think it'd be um, it's almost it, like Desert Island Discs. Yeah, or, yeah. And Joe has put me in mind of, have you ever heard Richard Herring's podcast? No, no. So funny, right? But he's got emergency questions. Right, okay. And basically, I mean, it's, it's like, would you want a hand made of ham or a, <laughs> a you know, a, a, a nipple that dispensed Suntan cream. This <laughs> sounds like my kind of podcast. So, but you know, yeah, yeah, that yeah. for brands are yeah, quite, yeah, quite yeah. fun. Uh, yeah. So, on the question thing, um, yeah. I've got a wee question segment called yeah. Mark Out a Ten at the end of the podcast. Yeah. So, I was going to ask you a few questions. So, favorite city to eat in? Oh man, 
Um, I'm going to have to say London. It's really boring. It's really boring. It's not boring at all. There's loads going on here. One of our clients is Tom Carriage. Oh. And, uh, and Tom's got a chapter in the book. Tom's got a chapter in the book. I need to talk to you then about getting them on the podcast. <laughs> because I've tried and it's failed. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, no. He is fabulous. Oh, he's amazing. He's fabulous. Some yeah. guy. Some yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. So, London. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Uh, Favourite restaurant ever? Oh, um, I guess to say the Hand and Flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Never been. Yeah. yeah I've seen. It's amazing. But I've never been. But he was Two Michelin star in a, in, a, in a pub with 14 tables. Well, he said he got any trouble because he was on like Saturday Kitchen or something and he said, yeah, yeah, just, you know, just drop in. Yeah. You know, and then like the restaurant manager was like, dear, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> yeah. 18, 18 month waiting list. It's not that now, but it did used to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can book the rooms and all that. Yeah. 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 Well. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's expanded a bit from, from that, but it's, yeah. um, the, the food, the food is, is amazing. And we're doing, uh, we just rebranded or creating it. He's going into, I'm not sure if I'm meant to say oh, this, okay. but uh, he's going, he's, he's going, actually they've announced it. He's going into Gary Neville and Ryan Giggs's hotel up at the Manchester, um, ah, is uh, he? the, the, uh, stock Football exchange. Hotel thing. No, yeah. oh, no, stock exchange. Oh, right, right. And that hotel is incredible. I mean, it's, I mean, I grew up in that city and, you know, from being a dirty old, old town, the IRA blew it up. Because you know, did its best favour. There's so much money there now, and when you go and you look, and I've been walked around the hotel, and it's just there, beginning fittings and begin going in there, and it's so high end. Mm. I mean, it is proper five star luxury all the way. Um, but Tom is putting in a um, putting in a restaurant in that hotel, okay. and it's one that um, it's 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 specifically for Manchester. And so as somebody who comes from that, I yeah. know what, you know, kind of, kind of works. And there was a lot of to and froing, and actually went head to head with Gary Neville about what was the format that was going to work on the, in this, in this hotel yeah. and in this restaurant. And he was like, we're not having this is Gary Neville going, I'm not having this. This is not, you know, we just need to get this done. And he came round to the idea the next day and went, Tom rang me up and he said, bloody hell, Rich, he's going, I'm taking you wherever I go pitching in the future. He's going, because I don't know how you, how you turn him around. He said, he said, I hope you're good at pushing. Gary Neville's opening wine to me at this presentation was, hope you're good at pushing, putting, pushing water uphill because there's no way I'm changing the name or format of this, of this offer. And, um, um, but so anyway, it's going to be a really buzzy place. You won't be able to book tables. You're going to go in, and it's going to be um, small plates, um, so it, which will make it really affordable. Um, but it's in this amazing, really grand dining room. Where that, is that? It's, Where is it's, it's in Stock Exchanges, just behind, um, just off Deansgate, and sort oh, of. Okay. Um, so if you walk down Market Street, it's sort of like on the left, the other side of the road from the Royal Exchange, but just yes. set set back a little bit, um, yeah, yeah. and uh, and. It's incredible. It's going to be incredible. Okay. So it's good. Yeah. And we're going to call it the bull and bear. Um, okay. so, Cause it's in the, uh, it, so we've just finished that and that's looking really good. That's looking Brilliant. Really good. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And then, so favorite dish, what's your go to favorite thing? My favorite dish is mince and tatties. Is it? Yeah. Going proper old school Scottish. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually Scots. So yeah. I was born in uh, I was born in Edinburgh, but my uh, my parents, both dead now, both Aberdonians, moved me south of the border, and you know, mince and tatties with a white pudding, mealy pudding is like 
That's it. You know, that's what I grew up on. And if you said to me what was going to be the last thing that I would ever eat, I'd go to that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually, it's the emotion. It's, it's about the memories. It's about what it triggers in me. It's about my relationship with my mum. It's about her creating this amazing thing yeah. that I just thought tasted like heaven as a kid. And I make it for my kids now. And they're like, this is awesome. Oh, they like it. And it's just really simple, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But nice. it's simple. It's nice simple. Work. And then the final thing is a uh, worst. Oh, sorry, a couple of things. Best drink. What's your go-to drink? Ah, oh, um, uh, I make a uh, an English mule, which is a slight take on a Moscow mule. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm really into my cocktails and making cocktails. Uh, so yeah, lots of really gingery and. Uh, yeah, really strong. Yeah, <laughs> lots, of vodka. <laughs> lots of punch. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of getting back into vodka at the moment. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. I'm going. To... Yeah, that's. Uh, but then the thing that the thing that I just um, Fever Tree have just brought out a ginger uh, a spiced orange ginger ale that with Hague Club um, whiskey uh-huh. is decent. A double shot of that. And that get it? There's nowhere stocks it. I've had to buy it in a slab of 24 bottles um, to get it, and Honestly, do it. You uh, will. It's the best. It's awesome. I I just seen. The, have you seen the Fever Tree advertising lately? No. no so they basically they take the cross track sheets in the underground. Is that what you would call them cross track? Yeah. Um. So you can tell my media planning's really good. Um. And then uh. Yeah. They've got a, a wheel with four different tonic waters yeah. that they've got in the quarters. And they say, you know, this one's aromatic, this one's citrus, this one's that, this one's that. Anyway, then in each of the quadrants, it's then got tiny writing, all of the gins that the best goes with. It's just the most simplest, but brilliant. And I'm sure the company's paid for it. Genius. Adjacencies. Just All about so adjacencies. Genius. And yeah. it's worth, you'd, you'd definitely give it a read. when you, And it looks like a, you know, some kind of business graph or something, yeah, but you'd yeah, give yeah. that a read for sure. So that... Um, I love that food thesaurus thing about the flavours yes. and how they go together. And I mean, yeah. you know, that it's, it's bringing that to life for yeah, people yeah. because that's what you want. You know, some I really, you know, I really like my food, really like my drink. Yeah. And, you know, it's those, it's those matches, you know, when you just, yeah. you know, sommelier, sommelier. I wish yeah. I was a sommelier. Oh, yeah, that'd be the best job. Yeah. The best job. <laughs> and then the final thing, worst restaurant, what do you avoid? What, where have you had a really bad experience? That kind worst of thing. Worst restaurant. Where you've had a shocker? Have you walked out or just stuff that you avoid in general? Ah, what's the uh, sourdough pizza place? Um, Franco Manca. Yeah, and everyone loves it. And uh-huh. um, I don't know, I went, I one inches it when it first opened. I think I just had really bad service. And I think they they were probably first or second days, and people have been raving about that this was amazing. This yeah. was amazing, uh, and people keep telling me it's amazing, but yeah. I still haven't been back because I just had such you a just, bad. I just there was stuck, something just made me go stuck in your craw. Yeah, um, but that's probably really harsh on them. Yeah, I go back. No, it's, yeah, it's very yeah, good. Yeah. It's yeah, very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, mister, I better let you go and go on with your life. Um, thanks fun. so thank, much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks, just Mark. been really good as well. It. Just kind of sitting back and. You're an expert talking, you know, so it's been cool. great, really great, and can't wait to get stuck into the book as well. So, well, I hope you enjoy it. I'll sign it for you. Yes, but and thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem, it's been brilliant. no problem. And we must, must, must catch up a lot more because we don't, yeah. so we should, yeah, do. it's cool. We'll do that. Brilliant, thanks, man. Cheers, Cheers. thank you, awesome. 
Wow. So there you have it. Rich Buchanan. And I know why his name seemed so familiar. I think, is that not the name almost of Hasselhoff in, in Baywatch? So anyway, we, we digress. So an amazing chat with Rich. It was so cool to catch up with him. Uh, just really, really looked up to him, you know, for years and years since I've known him. Can't believe the work that him and the clearing do. It's just real Champions League stuff. Really, really impressive. So I hope you gained a lot from that. A huge thanks to BDO, our sponsor. Uh, really, really pleased that they've been helping us since day one and the support has just been immense from those guys. So thanks so much for doing that. Huge thanks also to all of you for listening. Keep the messages coming in and keep, please, reviewing, rating, subscribing and telling that one more friend or colleague about the podcast. Really want to just try and spread the message as far and wide as we possibly can. A huge thanks to Gaz and Gabby for putting the podcast together every week. I know it's loads of work, so, you know, really, really appreciate it. I'm very, very grateful. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks for listening. And I really hope that this episode has brought you so much value that it will help your brand boom.